listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. This is me, Matt Collins, your host, as always, with Jake Devereaux. We are on a different day this week. We are coming to you Friday instead of Wednesday because the Red Sox had a doubleheader on Tuesday and I just was not about to record a podcast in the midst of a doubleheader that was painful enough. Um, But we are here with you again this week, just on a different day. Uh, Jake is telling me it's episode number eight, so we're going to roll with that. Uh, Jake, how are you doing on a Thursday? Uh, very, very busy. I uh, started my, my job again this week as a teacher, and my head is spinning. So uh, it's it's been a crazy week for me. I can imagine my cousin's a teacher, too, and it does not sound fun. No. Um, Well, we can uh, get your mind off of that with some talk about the Red Sox, which is everybody's favorite topic. Uh, Red Sox, as we speak, have not begun their series uh, against the Rays, as you're listening to this. You will know what happened in Game 1. I'm going to assume it's a loss. So we'll see if I have egg on my face when you're <laughs> hearing this. But I'm going to I'm going to assume in the future uh, you were thinking about a Red Sox a loss. But uh, we are not super concerned about individual games right now. But there is a little bit of news, uh, some minor stuff that's happened in the last few days with the roster. Uh, I think the biggest one was Jose Peraza getting optioned down to the alternate site in Pawtucket. Um, obviously, that signing just has not worked out. Uh, writing seems to be on the wall that he's probably not coming back next year, but uh, I guess I'll ask you, do you think we'll see him again this year? Is this a temporary send-down or just for the rest of the year, and do you think we'll see him on the roster next year? I don't think, unless something catastrophic happens uh, injury-wise that would force them to have to look at other options at the alternate site, I don't think that we'll see him again. Um, I think... This is just an alternative to a DFA um, so they don't have to bring up guys that they don't really want to bring up this year, like CJ Chatham or you know someone like that. Um, he's, he's basically an emergency body. Um, that's the only reason he wasn't DFA'd, in my opinion. And um, I don't think we see him next year. Um, and I think this in the last week has just been super indicative of how they view Peraza and their lack of interest in him yeah i mean i was never really a fan of that signing to begin with but i think you're right this is pretty much the end of a peraza the peraza era unless there's an injury which the few weeks left in the season there very well could be but uh i think it is sort of indirectly damning of cj chatham i don't i don't understand why cj chatham just can't get a chance i don't even know that he's that good but at this point i'm just like flabbergasted that He's got to be looking, like, terrible in camp. That <laughs> They are just doing everything in their power to make sure this guy does not get on the Major League roster this year. It's, it's bizarre to me. But, yeah, I, I agree that these... Basically, the only reason he was optioned instead of released was uh, to keep CJ Chatham out of the majors. Very strange. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so obviously this opens up some playing time for a bunch of other guys. Peraza had been kind of going back and forth between second base and left field. Um, there's a whole bunch of guys that are going to be playing between those two positions. The rest of the way, uh, Michael Javis, Yaro Munoz, Jonathan Aruz, uh, Christian Arroyo, I almost said Bronson Arroyo, and uh, Bobby Dalbeck also benefits from this a bit because it's feels like Michael Chavis probably won't be seeing very much first base the rest of the way um, with second base now kind of more wide open. So Bobby Dalbeck, I think he probably would have been playing mostly every day anyways, but this just makes that a little bit easier. But uh, taking Dalbeck out of the equation, because I think he would be the most obvious answer here, out of those other guys, who do you think makes the most out of their playing time to most alter the organization's uh, opinions of them? Munoz, for sure. Um, I expect nothing out of Arroyo. Uh, Arreus, I think, has done enough already this year that you know he's going to be a guy that they're probably going to send down next year to develop. Um, Michael Chavis will continue to play, but as Keaton and I said on the uh, Sunday podcast that we did, and at that point <laughs> there was 18 games left, and it's 18 games for him to prove he belongs in the organization like no one has a more important stretch and you wrote about that too but it's Munoz who I think has the clearest path to a role next year and it could be a pretty damn active role with uh, all the potential holes that they could have in this lineup next year yeah I think that's probably right I think Arroyo is gonna get a long look too and I don't think he should um i i don't think he's particularly good i'm definitely not really a christian royal guy but it seems like i mean when he first came up they basically said they want to get him some time at second base um he's a guy with high bloom connections obviously he came from the rays they traded evan longoria for him i mean it wasn't a straight up deal but they were he was involved in the Evan Longoria deal, which is obviously a massive deal in terms of just like legacy in Tampa Bay. Um, so the return there was fairly important. So I think Bloom, for better or for worse, has things that he likes about Arroyo. And so I think I'm not really confident that he's going to show much, but I think they're going to give him every chance to prove himself over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't disagree with that, um, and I have the same feeling as you about Arroyo. I'm just, I don't, I don't think it's there. But if they gave Peraza all that time, they can certainly give all that time to Arroyo. No, no, I mean, they could give the playing time to me. It wouldn't really matter at this point. But I mean, I think if Arroyo can play second base, I think it helps him a little bit because the biggest issue for me with Arroyo was that he wasn't really good enough to play middle infield and he didn't really hit enough to play in the corner so if he can play middle infield I mean second base is just such a different position than it was even like three years ago that I mean you can hide a guy at second base now pretty much so if he can handle it there I guess I'm a little more confident and he was solid in a I mean it's small sample size but a couple years ago he had a 107 WRC plus with Tampa he just doesn't hit for much power so he's really he's sort of he reminds me a lot of Peraza, which is not a compliment. <laughs> it's just a little bit of power, or not a lot of power, and just he needs to 
he needs to have a high BAP, basically, if he's going to succeed, yeah. which is not a profile I really like. Is that the hitting version of the uh, Ryan Weber pitching profile? Like when, you know, with those guys, it's you basically need to be getting everything on the black all night long, and the zone needs to be huge. And for these guys, it's like you literally need to have all the batted ball luck in the world. Those those seem kind of analogous to me. Yeah, I guess I have more. I get more enjoyment out of watching the hitting side of it. Just not really with Arroyo, but with a guy like Peraza, not Peraza specifically, but just that mold, just because at least they're like fast and athletic, and they, when the ball yeah. gets put in play, maybe something exciting is going to happen, but I guess, I see where you're coming from, I think that's probably a good analogy, and I, I mean, I hate I hate it a lot, I'll say that, but <laughs> the Red Sox have too many of those guys on both sides yeah. of the ball, it's, uh, yeah, it's, for sure. it's not what you want. Um, and then today... Uh, not too long ago, they put Austin Bryce on the injured list with a lat strain. Uh, Robert Stock and Dylan Covey are coming back up. I, I got nothing to say about any of that. Do you have anything to comment on any of that? Yeah, this is like when I wish we were on a video call right now because I'm just like shaking my head and making a miserable face. Um, yeah, those two players are just not anything that I want to see. Yeah, no. I mean, Bryce going down <laughs> is a bummer, but Bryce is another guy. It's like he's been... I, I've talked about this on Twitter. I don't even remember. I think I said it with a uh, kick. I don't even remember what I said it with. But I, I have Stockholm Syndrome with, like, any Red Sox pitcher with an ERA under, like, eight. I'm like, yeah, I can talk myself into that. And this, they're just not good. Austin Bryce is fine. He's, like, he's a, he's fine if he's, like, your last – one of your last two bullpen spots, I guess. But he's, he's not that good either. No. Um, in the last bit, uh, nothing has really been announced on this, but they've been talking – for like the last week or so, that Nathan Valdi might be able to come back this weekend. Uh, Saturday's start is still TBD, so that would seem to be the time to come back if he is able to come back. Uh, but uh, should they even bother bringing him back? I think so. Um, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was that serious of an injury, and it certainly wasn't an arm injury that he was dealing with. And I think giving him some confidence... Um, and some time to work on some stuff headed into next year where he's going to be presumably in an important rotation spot for the Red Sox. I think it's important for him to like have some some uh, positive trends heading into the offseason and maybe a little bit more data for him to work off of. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's honestly simpler than that. Um, and I, I think this goes... I think it's always easy to just say shut a guy down, but... Um, this is what they do. <laughs> this is what they want to do. If he, if he wants to go out yeah. there and pitch, like, I'm not going to tell him no. Are you kidding me? Right. So, yeah, and like you said, it's not an arm injury. It's not something I'm really all that concerned about. I think they're going to be incredibly cautious if there's anything to worry about. He's not going to pitch, but that's been the case all the time. So if they say he's ready to go, I'm, I'm good with it. Yeah. All right, so now that's all the news. Very, very exciting stuff coming from the 2020 Red Sox. Don't worry, the offseason is coming soon enough and there would be actual things to talk about uh but speaking of that sort of uh our main topic of conversation for this one comes from listener richard banks uh he wanted us to talk about the opening day lineup rotation bullpen for 2021 i am just now realizing that he didn't say a bench but i think you made a bench too right you made like a, full I did roster. Make a bench yeah All right. yeah so we're gonna do we each made 
predicting we each tried to predict what the roster is going to look like on opening day next year um we were talking before the show neither of us are actually all that confident in this obviously we have no idea what the offseason is going to be like offseason is hard enough to predict in a normal season this is obviously going to be a bizarre offseason after a regular season that was shortened and without fans and all that stuff everybody's been talking about for a while but we are doing our best here uh neither of us really know what the other person did so i'm curious to see how much overlap there's going to be but we're just going to go position by position uh and we'll start with catcher all right are we going uh starter and the bench or are we just, just gonna go we'll do the bench okay. all in like one fell swoop okay cool um yeah i'm going with christian vasquez uh no surprise here i i think that um you know, he is one of the most important players on this roster, and we've talked about what a luxury it is for a team like the Red Sox to have a guy who's borderline top five catcher in baseball, in my opinion. Um, good on both sides of the ball, not an excellent hitter or anything, but he's good, he's affordable, and uh, he's been with the team forever, so it'll be great to have some more continuity back there. Yeah, I'm with you. I really want no part of trading Christian Vasquez. I mean, obviously, my one of my biggest pet peeves when people are talking about like trade possibilities is like, well, it depends on the return. Like, no, no shit. <laughs> like, obviously, everything <laughs> depends on the return. Like, that's sort of a given. I just we don't need to say that. That was like a thing with Christian Vasquez, and I think I probably said it too. But it's it's a very obnoxious thing to say. Like, yes, obviously we all know it depends on the return. If they can get Fernando Tatis for Christian Vasquez, <laughs> they're gonna do it. But reasonably speaking, I don't think they're gonna get enough for Christian Vasquez to make it worth it. So I have him as my starter as well. Uh, he has a he has a ninety six WRC plus. Right now, three of the last four years, he's had a WRC plus of at least 92. So it wasn't like it was jet. Last year was different in that it uh, contained a lot of power, but he's been this guy for three out of the last four years. Granted, the fourth year he was, I think, literally the worst hitter in baseball, but I mean, this is. He's established himself, I think. I don't. I think a lot of people still doubt his bat, and I think at this point we just gotta take it for what it is, and it's very solid, especially for a catcher. Yeah, and I think it's also worth pointing out that like that's substantially better than what it sounds like at, at the catcher position, too. There are very few uh, catchers that play as much as him that have better bats. No, I mean, it's it's really... I mean, JTR Almuto, Yasmani Grandal, I mean, Gary Sanchez hasn't been that guy. Um or other people that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head, but the average catcher's WRC plus this year is 86. So Vasquez is 10 points above that. Plus, he is definitely above average defensively too. He does it. He does it all. He's not like a superstar, but he's outstanding at the hardest position to fill in baseball. Yep, exactly right. All right, so agreement there. I'm assuming you're gonna have agreement here as well at first base. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I have Bobby Dalbeck. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's much. Uh, I will say this. I don't... We'll get into this one more, I guess, when we talk about the bench. Um, I don't... I certainly don't think he should be penciled in there with no safety net. Um, he's been outstanding so far. But it's a small sample size, and these his type of profile is the type of profile that 
tends to start off hot and then is can fall off very quickly. We've seen it with Michael Chavis. We've seen it with Will Middlebrooks back in the day. These guys that swing and miss a lot and hit for power can get off to hot starts and then holes are discovered in their swings and it all goes downhill very quickly. I do like Bobby Delbeck. I think that he's going to be fine long term. I don't think he's like a superstar or anything. I mentioned on Twitter when Chris Hatfield was talking about comps that a Mark Reynolds type guy seems about right, which is like a league average hitter who will fluctuate wildly but just settle in right around there. That's pretty much what I expect long term out of Bobby Delbeck, but I even if he hits the rest of the way, I wouldn't be comfortable I would be comfortable handing him the starting job mostly, but I want a safety net somewhere on the roster as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I also built in a safety net, which we'll talk about later. But, yeah, I think they're going to give him the run. Um, Hopefully he can be one of these guys that bucks the trend of, you know, swing and miss and eventually becomes borderline unusable. Um, It seems like they've had a few of those guys recently. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged, and I hope they do give him most of the time at first base next year to see what he is. Uh, all right, second base. I'm assuming we're probably different on this one because this one seems pretty wide open. Yeah, um, I have the Red Sox going out and signing a free agent and not somebody who's super interesting, but somebody who's pretty solid and can play multiple positions. Um, I have them signing Estrubal Cabrera, uh, who's going to be 35 years old next year, but always a decent bat. Um, not a bad defender at second base, can play really any position around the infield. So if he needs to spell somebody else around the infield, he can do that. Um, I don't know exactly what the interest level would be for him, but he's he doesn't seem like quite a high enough level guy that he could like immediately decide to go to a contender. Um, and I think the Red Sox roster will be a little bit more attractive to this type of player next year with guys like Sale coming back and things like that. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I uh, I had considered him as well. I also went with a uh, less than sexy free agent. Um, I did look at Cabrera. I landed on uh, Cesar Hernandez, who mm. I wanted them to sign last offseason. I've always really liked Hernandez as sort of a low-end relatively cheap. I mean, I'm assuming you get him on a one-year deal, especially this offseason, maybe one year with an option or something like that, and then you can kind of transition, hopefully, into the Jeter Downs era of things. Go according to plan, and Hernandez is sort of like Peraza in a lot of ways with one key difference in that he draws walks. Um, So there's sort of a baseline in his performance, he's hovered around league average for a lot of his career. He's at 92 WRC plus this year, which is where he was last year. Obviously, that's not great. But with his defense, his position, he's extremely durable. He plays uh, 2018 and 2019. He played 161 games in both of those seasons, 155 in 2016. He's played 42 this year. So he's been out there pretty much every day. Um, just a reliable really not going to blow you away, but a guy that you can put into like the seven or eight spot in your lineup, put out at second base and feel good about it and just not have to worry about that position, which it's not a high bar, but 
it's it's been tough to clear that the last couple of years. So I would I would take that sort of stability, even if it's not going to blow anybody away. Yeah, that's an interesting name. Um, he is underrated, and uh, he's still you know kind of youngish uh, at thirty one. He's not like super over the hill. The other guy I, I really thought about here that I put down, and then I X'd him out because I just don't think he'll he'll probably want to come here, and he'll probably end up signing with a, a more surefire contender. But that's Tommy Listella. I really love his bat, and uh, you know how he's developed as a player over the last couple of years. And I think he'd be a great fit, but I just don't think he'll come here. I don't even think it's so much that he won't come here. I think I, I think most guys are going to come where the money or going to go where the money is, especially this off season. I mean, there are teams that are just not going to spend money. I don't think the Red Sox are one of them. Um, I guess I'll say it now. We, I'm sure we'll get more into it later. I don't really have them signing any big free agents, but I do think that they're going to be one of the higher spending teams this winter a because a lot of teams aren't going to spend money and b because i think they're going to sign a handful of solid guys but nobody great but i think with la stella specifically uh, based on his last few years and just overall career i think he'll get a multi-year deal um yeah me too and i don't think the red sox are going to look for a multi-year deal at second base i think they want jeter downs to take that position by like mid-year 2022 um, and I don't think mm-hmm. you're gonna sign. It. I don't think they're gonna sign a guy for like three years or something like that. And I think Listello would probably get that. Yeah, definitely. He he deserves it the way he's played. Yeah, and he's he's very good. Uh, rest of the infield, I really don't think we need to talk about shortstop and third base. It's Bogarts and Devers. I mean, yeah, man, obviously <laughs> there's there's really no conversation there. Neither of us think they're gonna get traded. They would be insane. Um, the hopefully extensions come for them, but we'll talk about that later in the winter. Um, left field. I have been attending. All right. Um, I have been attending getting traded this off season. I didn't try and predict a return for Ben attendee. Um, but I have them actually making their big splash in left field. Um, the guy who came into Fenway park and absolutely murdered them with the, uh, Atlanta Braves, Marcelo Zuna, um, and I'll tell you why I think Ozuna's a really good fit for them. Um, not only is the bat elite, the defense is not good in the outfield at all, um, but I think it will be good enough, um, especially for them to potentially entertain the idea of trading J.D. Martinez, and even if they don't and they have to play Marcel Ozuna in left most of the time over the next couple of years and, I don't know, maybe play JD once a week there or something like that, um, he can then become the DH for the Red Sox and be a damn good DH. I mean, I, people around baseball see him as one of the best pure uh, hitters in the game. And uh, the shoulder injury kind of derailed what he could do over the past couple seasons, but we're seeing what healthy Ozuna looks like this year and he bet on himself with a one year deal I just think he's a great fit for the team going forward yeah I can see that I was I was very wrong about us I I thought Ozuna was very underrated coming into last offseason um, but yeah I think those shoulder kind of scared me off I still think I, I just don't I don't see the Red Sox making that big of a splash um, I also think the Braves are going to keep Ozuna, but I see the fit. I just think Benintendi I don't 
I don't see him being that attractive of a trade ship. And I think there's... I still think the organization looks at him more highly than most other teams would, especially what they would get back in a trade. I don't think they... I don't think they've given up on him, and if you haven't given up on him, I just... I can't see trading him for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. um, You could definitely be right about that. I could be overestimating his trade interest. I just don't know if that many front offices around baseball are going to make a judgment on... I mean, what did he play? Two weeks of baseball? Two weeks of bad baseball or three weeks before he got hurt? He was pretty rough the second half of 2019, too. Yeah. I just think there's more good tape on him than there is bad tape. And with him being so young, he just strikes me as one of those guys that a smart GM is going to look at and be like, yeah, this this dude just needs to be in a new city. Yeah, maybe. I just, I don't know. I think the Red Sox, I've always gotten the sense that the Red Sox really like him. But, I mean, I could see him. He is on, I mean, he's certainly on the list of, like, bigger name guys that could be traded. I mean, there's only a few that wouldn't be. The Vertugo, Devers, Bogarts um, are really the only guys that I think are 100% safe. I think Vasquez is pretty safe as well. Um, But I think right now my guess is that they keep him, um, especially without knowing who's available this offseason. That could change. If there's a pitcher that makes sense from like Cleveland or whatever, another team that needs an outfielder, that would make sense in a matchup. I think I would probably change my tune on it, but right now without really knowing who's available and just speaking in a vacuum, I think they would prefer to keep him. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, but man, think about <laughs> if we had a scale of team swagger, how different it would look with Benintendi versus Ozuna. I mean, that guy is just the opposite of personality from Benintendi too. I, I just feel like the clubhouse needs that energy. I think I think Benint I don't know. I think Benintendi has some energy. I think. I think you're underselling Benintendi's personality a little bit. I think we've seen it from him. It just hasn't been there lately because there's nothing for him to be energetic about because he just hasn't been very good. But I think when he's he's going, he's pretty well, especially, I mean, with him and Brock Holt. But um, I don't know. I mean, with the old win, dance, repeat, he was a big part of that, dancing and stuff. I want big gold chains and I, big home I runs. mean, I, I like Ozuna, don't get me wrong. I, I, the biggest thing for me against Ozuna is just I don't see the Red Sox being that big of a splash. But I I wouldn't say it's impossible. I just think there's too many holes on the roster, and I don't think they're going to spend so much that they're going to make a big splash and be able to fill in all those other holes. I just feel like you might be underestimating how reactionary this ownership group is. I, I'm not going to believe that anybody is really spending big, big money this offseason until I see it. I mean, the quotes that were coming out from ownership at the start of the season about everybody losing money and stuff just really painted a bleak picture for me, especially with the CBA negotiations there, too. It just seems like it's going to be a brutal yeah. offseason for spending. And like I said, I sure think the Red could. Sox are going to be towards the top of the list and overall money spent. I just think it's going to be more spread out rather than a big name. Yeah. Uh, center field. Who do you got? All right. I have a trade. 
Um, I have them acquiring AJ Pollock uh, to play center field, um, and you know this could be one of the potential landing spots for Andrew Benintendi. Honestly, um, I think that they will probably try if they try to trade Benintendi that they will try and trade him for pitching. Um, young pitching, um, specifically like prospects. I don't actually think they'll get any MLB ready guys for him. But, um, you know, AJ Pollock is 32. He's been a little injury prone, but the bat is still really solid when he does play. Uh, I just don't know if they're going to want to bet on his health for the next couple years. And he isn't super duper cheap either. Um, and I don't necessarily know if that's the return there is going to be Pollock. It, we we might just be able to send them some of the other guys that we might ship out um, to get the money off of their books so they can either bring someone up or sign somebody else who maybe fits their plans a little bit more. But I just thought that AJ Pollock looked like an interesting guy from a, a trade situation. Yeah, I like I like AJ Pollock. Um, I will be honest, I haven't really seen him moving around the last couple of years. Can he still play center field, especially at Fenway? He played center field last game, actually. Yeah. He, well? Uh, um, you know, he, he plays it fairly often, um, and he still moves pretty well. He played center field on Wednesday, uh, he played left field two other days, and then he played center field on Friday the 4th, so... It's still something he does with regularity, but they make sure to put him in left and DH every once in a while, too. So, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be vintage or anything like that. The other guy I wrote down here as a potential trade candidate is Kevin Kiermeyer, who's going to be over 30 years old. They just have so many damn options in Tampa Bay, and he is making some money over there. So he was an interesting one as well, but I just thought maybe Pollock fit a little bit better. Yeah, I like I like the Pollock idea. I didn't mean to poo-poo it. That was a sincere question. I honestly yeah, didn't yeah. know if he was still if he could still play center field. But yeah, I mean I think I think a trade here makes sense. I think a lot of people are hoping for George Springer. Um but that would again fall under the big splash category. Um for me that I don't see happening. But I think Pollock is an interesting idea. I would have to think more about the Benintendi angle of that with them, but I think I could see the Dodgers offloading some money um, just because they have so many young guys that they're going to have to sign long-term. Yeah. I mean, obviously they print money, but like I said, ownerships are going to be um, clutching their purses uh, this winter. Uh, I went... I think they're bringing back Jackie Bradley Jr. I know there's been some uh, lies told, basically, by the front office about <coughs> talking with him and wanting to keep him, and Bradley saying they haven't heard he hasn't heard anything from them. Um, but I think the organization generally genuinely does like him. Um, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him. Um, again, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for anybody except the elite guys this off season. Um, so I think I think he's going to sign a one year sort of pillow contract and i think the red Sox are gonna jump on it um i don't know i'm not gonna predict the money uh right now but i just i maybe this is wishful thinking because i really like jackie bradley jr but i just i don't think that this relationship is over after this season 
You know, Matt, I wrote his name down on my list once, crossed him out, then wrote it a second time, crossed it out. I'm honestly baffled that you wrote this by hand. Oh yeah, I don't know the I last time I wrote stuff by hand. hand. <laughs> I always have a notebook with me. We've talked about yeah, this before. It's I, strange to me. I always have a notebook. Um, but man, I would love to see JBJ back. I just don't think it makes financial sense for him to come back here on a one-year deal because at 30 years old, I still think that there are a lot of teams around here, especially with big outfields. And this is something that Jackie himself has talked about. He talked about this. I think it was an Alex Spear article. And I mentioned this a couple pods ago with Keaton, but you know he's talked about the fact that center field at Fenway can be a little bit limiting because of how short left field is. I think he's curious to get out of the market and see you know, how he would play in a bigger field. And I think that there are some teams that look at his defense and really think that that could be beneficial. And, and I think there's a two- or three-year deal out there for him. And if there is, I just don't see him coming back. That I agree with. I guess I'm just super pessimistic about the market. But, yeah, I think if, I think if there is a multi-year market out there for him, um, he's gone. I don't think the Red Sox are giving that to him. But I just, I don't know, I just get the feeling that he's not going to have a much of a market. Although he's coming alive at the right time offensively, so the numbers are getting up there. So maybe, I could I could definitely be wrong about that. If it's not him, it's, I think it's going to be another sort of stop-gap-ish type. Um, but I don't have, I don't know who else it would be. Somebody of the, a similar ilk. Yeah. He's um he's hitting a really hot bat though lately. Uh he's he's got almost what is it? It's over 20 games. He's batting over 300 with over a 530 slugging percentage. So I don't know how much that matters though. Cuz I mean I think the book is out on Bradley. Yeah, 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 I think that's true. I I think that nobody's going to be tricked by like this this sudden thing, but I just think it's cool that his bat is hot in what might be his last couple weeks with oh, the Red Sox. For sure. And, I mean, yeah, I I love, like I said, I really like Jackie Red, Bradley Jr. So part of this pick was sort of trying to put it out into the universe and hoping that it happens. Hey, I would much rather have JBJ next year than, than Pollock or Kiermaier. Um, not that I think that he's necessarily better, but just... I think he's better than Kiermaier. Guy who I enjoy to watch. You know? Kiermaier has very nice eyes, though. I'll give him that. He's, he is. His, he does. His eyes are gorgeous. <laughs> Probably the best <laughs> eyes in baseball. Chris Bryant's got nice eyes too. But yep, that's the eye talk for the day. Um, right field, I think is probably no need to talk about Verdugo, right? Yeah, that's the dude. Yeah. Uh, DH. I still think JD Martinez is coming back. Um, I don't think there's much of a chance he opts out. And I don't, with the way he's swinging the bat, I really don't see the Red Sox trading him for pennies on the dollar. I agree with you. The The best case scenario for the Red Sox is one where J.D. Martinez is producing at a high level at the DH spot, and the money's too good for him to walk away. Yeah, especially in this market. Um, yeah. All right, so that is the lineup. Uh, we'll go to the bench now. Do we want to go one by one or just go the whole bench? Uh, let's go the whole bench. All right, you can go first. 
All right. Uh, I have uh, Yairo Munoz uh, claiming a spot on the bench. Uh, I think he's going to be a super utility player for the Red Sox next year, playing primarily in the outfield, but I think he will play a little bit of infield too. Um, the bat and the speed and everything there is very intriguing. Um, I was kind of stoked when they signed him or when they were able to basically get him for nothing because he acted like a bonehead. But, um, you know, I'm happy to see him hitting. Um, I have Kevin Pulecki staying as the backup catcher. Uh, he's got two, one more arb year next year, and then the following is his fourth arb year because he's a four-arb guy. Um, I have CJ Chatham finally getting a spot uh, up here with the team. And then I have an outside signing. Uh, to sub in with Bobby Dahlbeck at first base and with Estrubal Cabrera at second base. That is Howie Kendrick, uh, 37 years old. Um, you know, Howie might want to go play for a contender, and I think someone might have a spot for him if he does. He has been a little injury prone. The bat is still ridiculous, and he seems like one of the better personalities in the game, too. So I think he'd be tremendous for the clubhouse, and you know that bat really just plays uh i i like that mix um so i hope kendrick is a guy that they could get but you know if if not i totally understand yeah i think those make sense i have two of the same i have plowaki and bunyas um i can i wouldn't be surprised if they try to move plowaki whether it's part of a bigger deal or just to get a lottery ticket and kind of sell high um if they like Davey Grillon, um, he's sort of at the point where he could come up maybe in a backup role. Uh, but I I think they would probably, I think more likely is they would just keep all three and keep Grillon um, down at AAA as depth. Uh, Munoz, like you said, I think I have Munoz more as an infielder on my bench, but yeah, super utility role, basically. Um, I like, I love Howie Kendrick. I I think it makes more sense to sign a lefty, though, as yeah. to just to not that Dahlbeck would be a straight platoon or anything, but just if you give him a day off, it could be against a tough righty. Um, there's a bunch of options. I said Justin Smoke because I think he'll be dirt cheap, and I've always liked Justin Smoke, um, but it doesn't have to be Justin Smoke. I mean, it could be uh Travis Shaw, Eric Thames, uh Neil Walker, all these guys are free agents. So basically just take your pick of a cheap left-handed first baseman. Um and then I said Jake Burzdick is another guy that I wanted mm. them to sign. Um this past winter, he's good defensively. Uh he can swing the bat a little bit, but he's mostly just a defensive defensive outfielder and he also hits from the right side in my my whole outfield, I have been. I you know I have the same outfield as this year. Benintendi, Bradley, Verdugo, they are all lefties. So just having a right-handed outfielder in the mix, sort of like Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar could very well be another guy who come right back, but somebody that can play good defense and hit from the right side, um, or like makes sense as a backup outfielder for this group. I really like that. Um, I looked at Marisnik too, and I think that Marisnik becomes even more likely if they decide to bring back Cora. Um, because there is some relationship there, um, and I love the idea of Eric Thames. I I wanted I wrote about him last offseason. I love Eric Thames. Yeah, he's a great clubhouse guy too. He seems just like 
a great personality. Um, and I, I think they're going to look for that. And it seems like it's important to Heim Bloom. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I don't really know that I have a ton of evidence to say that. But I think, I mean, I would, I think that's important. I don't know that there's many teams that it's not important for. Yeah, I guess I'm just reading into um, his era has coincided with the Red Sox being the most active that they've ever been uh, in terms of seeming like they care about, you know, how people of color are treated at the park. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know that I would put that on Bloom. Not to say that Bloom doesn't actually care about that stuff. I just think I, I think we're seeing that around all sports right now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm maybe I'm just like hoping that the franchise I love is is turning a, a leaf there, but you know, just the it stands out to me that do you remember when they released that thing, like basically confirming the stories of everybody? And that was the thing that I always hated was when athletes would come here and say that there were bad things that happened to them. You know, people would kind of question it and question their motivations, and the Red Sox like put an end to that this year and came up with that really strong statement and that just kind of made me feel a little bit better about how seriously they're taking making Fenway a, a better environment. Yeah, I think so too. I just don't know that I would say that that means that Heim Bloom cares any more than um, previous general managers have about uh, clubhouse guys. But I, I mean, I do think he cares. I just, like I said, I think pretty much every GM cares. Yeah, yeah. Could could be me just reading a little bit more. I think the best thing it. about Eric Thames would be a potential arm wrestling match between him and uh, Yandy Diaz when they play the Rays. I would pay money to see that. Those are the two most jacked men in Major League Baseball. Yeah, they they both have pipes, but you know, give me Thames there. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I don't know, man. There's that one picture of Yandy Diaz that is just out of this world. I mean, the dude, Thames actually, like, had a, like, a cartoon, like, character basically based around him in Korea because he's so jacked. Yeah, hey, listen, I, like I said, I would just, I would pay to see it just to see what happened. Um, All right, let's move into the rotation before this gets even weirder than it already is. Uh, (laughs) So, who do you have in the top spot? Chris Sale. For opening day? He's not going to be ready opening day. I don't care. Well, <laughs> <laughs> do I need do I need somebody to fill in? I get I I I did. I don't have Chris Sale on my roster. Well, all right. So if I can't have Chris, I mean, let's just put it this way: Chris Sale is probably coming back somewhere around like June. So I put him there just because he's going to be the majority. Uh, I I think he's going to be there for the majority of the games. If I have to take him out. That bumps Eduardo Rodriguez. Okay, up to number. I, I I don't think it's any guarantee that sales there before like game eighty one. Um, Maybe not. That that would seem to be where I would think he was coming back. I always tend to think that for a long injury like this, if they're once once I hear them start talking about a return date, I add a month to it, three three to four weeks, and that's where I. It's Chris put Sale that. though. It is Chris Hill, but it's also the Red Sox wanting to protect their most highly paid pitcher. But yes, I, I like I didn't have I took this question literally with uh, the opening day part of it. So okay. I did not have Chris Hill. But I did have Eduardo Rodriguez. Who is another question? We have no idea what Eduardo Rodriguez is gonna be like by the time next season rolls around. I am 
obviously hoping that everything turns out okay, both for the Red Sox, but more importantly for him. Uh, heart, yeah. heart issues are not anything to mess around with, but as of right now, I we haven't gotten any reason to believe that he won't be there. So um, I guess the bigger takeaway than Rodriguez is that neither of us have any have them signing anybody to put above Eduardo Rodriguez. I thought for sure you're going to have Trevor Bauer on this. No, I had them making the biggest biggest splash with Ozuna. Um, I'm glad I, he didn't have Trevor Bauer. I I like Trevor Bauer. Oh, I, I just don't Trevor think Bauer. that they are going to um, be able to entice him to come here. And I think that his thing about signing shorter term deals is accurate. And if that's the case, like he's just it, it, there's not a lot of incentive on either side there. I, I don't like Trevor Bauer. I don't like him as a person. I also think that he is uh, his season. I think he's going to be overrated in free agency. Uh, he's been very good this season. He's also been pitching against total garbage in every single one of his starts. The best offense he's faced this year ranks 19th in WRC plus. He hasn't faced anybody, and I not that he's still been very good, obviously. But I just I don't think he's like an ace, and I think he's gonna get looked to pay, be paid like an ace. And also, he's a dink. I don't like rooting for dinks. He is a dink. Yeah, I don't. He is definitely. And also, the whole spin rate thing that he won't talk about after talking so much about the Astros it really rubs me the wrong way. He's done much worse things than that, but for mm-hmm. some reason, that one just really just it bothers me a lot. Uh, yeah, makes sense. But I do have them signing somebody behind Rodriguez. Uh, I have them. This is, I think, the biggest signing I have them making. Uh, Marcus Stroman. Hmm. Um, I think he might be a little cheaper than he usually would be since he opted out of the season uh, coming off injury. He's always been, I think he's always been very good, never really been great. Um, I just, I love the stuff. I love the personality. I love the uh, attitude he brings. Um, And I think he would be an exciting signing that wouldn't be like the major splash like a Bauer or a Springer or somebody like that I like that idea a lot I really like Stroman he's got like six pitches um, undersized but definitely brings that energy we're talking about and kind of the energy that I think could really benefit the clubhouse so love that idea for sure I also like the idea of an undersized guy like him working with Pedro for an entire spring training. I don't know that I would actually bring mm. any more out of it, but I would just like looking at the pictures. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Phillips Valdez reportedly worked with him a little bit. I did not see that. They are... Yeah. yeah. He's small, but in a different kind of way. Yeah. Um, my next guy is Nate Eovaldi. Um, I think he's going to have the number two spot until uh, until Sale gets back. No surprise there. Yeah, I had him number three. Um, I think you'd prefer to have him probably four, ideally. Um, but I just... I don't think they're going to be able to remake the rotation so drastically in one offseason to put him. But I think talent-wise, that would be where he should be on a playoff team. Yeah. Um, number four spot, or number three spot, I should say, for me, um, is Martin Perez, returning oh, triumphantly. I don't think I like your rotation very much. It's not very good. No, it's not. Um, who do you have for? Uh, I have another signing, 
maybe he's going to be more expensive than I'm thinking, but I had Taiwan Walker here. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I think I might be a little optimistic about how um, how he might be viewed this offseason. I just I don't know how much teams are going to be really looking at numbers this year, and I think the injury history is still going to follow him that the Red Sox could be able to scoop him up, but that could be optimistic. He has a completely new pitch, too, so like you can actually point to something. Oh, for sure. Him, I mean, there's, there's always going to be scouting part of it. Just yeah. based, I'm just talking strictly about the numbers. But yeah, the more I think about it, I might, I might be pushing it a little bit here, but I'm sticking with it because I don't have any other options. I'm not going back through the whole list. Um, I do have a signing in the pitching staff. Uh, it's not super exciting, but it is a guy who will get some time. Um, it is um, Anthony Discofani, uh, who pitched for the Reds. He's always had sort of intriguing strikeout minus walk rates. Uh, had some decent starts. Not very good this He's year. He's actually been... Hot garbage this year. He is on my fantasy Yeah. He's been atrocious, um, but I do think that he is better than that, and he'll only be 31 years old. Um, so I think there's room there for him to kind of get it back, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's a real short-term deal, maybe a one-year deal for him, kind of a prove-it deal. And um, that will make more sense after you hear my fifth spot in the rotation. Well, just uh, I, I would have to look at Descafani. A little bit more because he, he his he's cratered this year. It's not just that he's had um, a bad year. I mean, he is, his strikeout rate is way down. Um, yeah, and his walk rate is way up. So uh, it could be fluky. I mean, it's been twenty five innings, but I, I would have to look a bit more into it. But I do, I have always liked Descafani at least before this year. Uh, but yeah, I have I have Martin Perez number five. Well, we already talked about him. I like that. Um, I have Nick Pavetta as the number five starter. And I think that so. what they will do is because Pavetta really wants to start and they kind of like, seems like they told him he could, um, I think they will let him start for a month or two until like Chris Sale is ready to get back. And then I think he finally gets pushed to the bullpen forever. Yeah, I, I can see that. Um,. Man, I hope not, but I could definitely see him being in the opening day rotation. Yeah. I, I don't think he's very good, but yeah, I could I can definitely see that. Your rotation makes me sad, but it is very realistic. It's pretty bad, but you know, it looks so much better when Sale is back because if you have Sale and Erod at the top, in the lineup that I have constructed is a very strong lineup. If Eovaldi and Perez stay healthy and pitch okay, that really just leaves you the fifth spot where it's kind of a question mark. Sounds you know, a, a big question. Sounds mark. a whole lot like what we were saying in February. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's the same script. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, bullpen. Uh, you can start. I don't know if you want to do the whole thing or. Yeah, I'll just do the whole yeah, thing works. here. The whole kit and caboodle. Um, I'll, I'll start at the top. I do have them signing a closer. Um, I don't think this guy's going to get a ton of money because he's already 33, but he is having a resurgent year. Blake Trinan, I think, is going to be the Red Sox closer. Um, I have uh, Darwinson Hernandez healthy behind him. Phillips Valdez, Josh Taylor, 
Ryan Brazier, um, Colton Brewer, uh, Austin Bryce, and Tanner Houck making up that bullpen. Um, Alright, I had them signing somebody as well. I had them signing Kirby Yates. I have mm, no idea what wow. his market is going to look like this winter. But coming off, he did not look good in a very small sample size. And then he went down with elbow surgery. So I'm curious to see what his market is like. But if that tanks based on all that, plus the market just being totally deflated, I could see the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox, I think their basic MO this offseason is going to be look for good players whose markets just tank. Um, and I could see Kirby Yates kind of getting less than we expect. I think it'll be a multi-year deal, but I think it will be. It won't be what it would be based on his previous few seasons when he was like the best reliever in baseball. Um, but I think they need somebody like that in this bullpen. Um, so I have Yates, and then I have Barnes, Josh Taylor, Darwin's and Hernandez. I had a trade for Kyle Crick, just because I've always kind of liked Kyle Crick, and I think this bullpen definitely okay. needs a couple of additions. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I have Ryan Brazier, Colton Brewer, and Austin Brace. I do not have Phillips Valdez. I'm starting to think Phillips Valdez is the biggest example of uh, Stockholm Syndrome on this entire pitching stuff. Why? I'm not convinced he's very good. I think he had a few good outings, and I think he's starting to get exposed a little bit. And I think he's fine as, like, an up-and-down arm. Maybe, like, one of the last arms in your bullpen. But I I don't know. I just... I think we're getting swept up in a pitcher who's pitching well on a bad staff in a small sample size. And I think there's a reason that uh, he hadn't really pitched in the majors before this year. That is fascinating to me. I... You know, I haven't done a deep dive into Phillips Valdez yet, but everything to me when I was watching him looked pretty sustainable. Um, what is it about him that doesn't look right to you? He's nothing really stands out. Um, I mean, his he doesn't really have any of the numbers that you would associate with a really good reliever except for his ERA. I mean, he's got a decent enough strikeout rate. It's just over a strikeout per inning. His walk rate is almost 5 per 9. Um, and I, like I said, lately he just hasn't been very good. Uh, even when he yeah. hasn't allowed um, runs, he's allowing multiple base runners in almost all of his outings. Um, so, I don't know. I think I think I don't think he's going anywhere and I think he'll pr- I think he'll probably be on the opening day roster even with this projection because guys get hurt in spring training that's just how it works and i think he's like right on i had it was between him and colton brewer basically for the last spot um Mm -hmm. but i just i don't know i think we're getting ahead of ourselves on phyllis Valdez. i just came to this conclusion the last few days yeah you really dropped a bomb on me um i i do uh agree with you that i think his success is uh much more than his pitch mix would tell you that it should be um he, I'm looking at his pitch mix changes from 2019 to 2020, and he basically went from throwing the sinker 58% of the time last year to throwing it 43% of the time this year, and he throws the changeup 49% of the time now versus 
36% of the time last year. And he goes to the changeup 72% of the time in a two-strike count. So it's pretty much his only out pitch. And his sinker still gets hit really hard. It is uh, It is very hard to succeed as a reliever with, as a fastball changeup guy. Yeah. You don't see very many of those. Trevor Hoffman is like the best example, but the basically everybody has a breaking ball that they rely on. Yeah, and he throws the slider seven percent of the time, bit, but he, unless there's like a just big not there, I just don't see it. And I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I could see him developing something uh, with the Red Sox, um, but yeah, I I agree with you that there's probably something there, Matt. Thank you. Once in a while, I get it. Yeah. All right, so that was the roster. I would guess most of what I said. Well, I think most of it, more than 50% will be right because a decent amount of it is pretty obvious. Well, I mean, we didn't talk about who was traded that much. We talked about Benintendi being traded, but I have Chavis and Barnes being traded in the offseason too. Yeah, I think I have. I think I have Chavis being traded. I might have him just in the minors. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I, we were talking about this off-air. I think the Red Sox are going to make a lot of trades this offseason. I actually think they'll probably be... There's a good chance they'll be more active in the trade market than the free agent market. Um, I agree with that. But I, I have no idea what the trade market's going to look like this offseason, and I'm not really comfortable kind of going out on Do a limb there yet. Um, so I could see... A lot of I could see Benatendi getting traded. I could see Martinez getting traded. I could see Avaldi getting traded. I could see Martin Perez getting traded. I could see Matt Barnes getting traded. I could see Josh Taylor getting traded. I mean, there aren't a lot of guys that I couldn't see get traded. I just, I don't, I, I'm not confident enough in any individual one to predict it just yet. Um, you are certain that you have Matt Barnes on on your thing, or or are you? I have Matt Barnes on my roster okay okay i wasn't sure i didn't remember yeah he, the name, i have so. him as the behind yates is like the eighth okay. okay but i could like okay. i said i could definitely see him be traded i think it i think it's more likely that they'll keep him and then if they're bad next year hope that he's good and they can trade him in the deadline i think it i think generally speaking it makes more sense to trade or leave her um during the season than in the off season, just because teams get desperate at the trade deadline for relievers, but obviously you don't close the door on those talks in the offseason either. Yeah, I agree. But one of the things that I find so interesting about our rosters is that neither of our opening day rosters have any help from the farm system outside of Tanner Houck and CJ Chatham on mine, and yours don't have any help at all from the minor leagues. I, I think we'll see a lot of guys mid-season, but I... Without a minor league season this year, I really don't know. Tanner Houck, I guess I could see, but it doesn't seem like there's any sense of urgency to get him up this year, and I think that they would want him pitching in competitive games before putting him on a major league roster. Um, so, um, like I said, if he comes up, I think I could see him making a case, but if not, I think they would want him to pitch in Pawtucket. Um, and then Chatham, I don't. I, I think Chatham's going to take it off the 40-man roster this winter would be my wow. guess. I, I don't think I mean we talked about the roster crunch it, it doesn't seem like they they have any interest in playing him so there's really no reason to take 
to for have to have him take up a forty man spot. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him either tra- part of a trade or something to get him off the forty man roster. And then guys like Duran and Downs and guys of that caliber who haven't really played against Double A, I just I don't think there's any chance they push them that quickly. Yeah, I think by the end of the year, Duran and Downs are getting a lot of playing time. Um, the end of next year, and I think that they both break camp. Uh, with starting roles in 2022. Yeah, I, but... I think so. I, yeah, I think we'll see both of them in 2021, especially Duran. Um, but I don't think it'll be opening day. It's just there has, I, as far as great as it is seeing these guys play well at the alternate site, they're seeing the same pitchers every single day. It is not the same as a minor league season. Yeah. One of the reasons I think Hauk could make the bullpen, though, is because I think he'll be in long relief um, as they haven't 100% given up on him as a starter. And one of the interesting things that's happening at the uh, alternate site is that he started throwing a splitter um, to get out lefties. And if that can actually come along, that could become some pretty interesting uh, Nick Pavetta insurance on the roster. Well, that would, for me, that would make it even more likely he doesn't make the opening to our roster and they would make they would keep him as a starter and Pawtucket would get him started. Yeah, I could totally see that. Um but yeah, I mean I think just generally speaking, um it's just so hard to call up anybody after this season. Like I on a normal season I thought Durant could have played his way out to the roster this year and could have put himself in a conversation for starting um opening day last year. I mean I've always been sky high on Durant. Uh but I just I can't see pushing him that aggressively, even with him showing off so well in Pawtucket. I agree with you. I think they're going to protect those guys. All right, so that is our 2021 roster. We will uh, quickly go through some questions uh, before we get out of here. First one from Scott Nadell. Uh, Do you think Chris Sale was not pitching up to his potential because he had been injured already and was trying to work through it? And uh, do you expect to see any semblance of Chris Sale of the past? Oh, I totally think that it was all injury. One of the biggest things you see with guys right before they get Tommy John surgery is their command starts to go. And um, with somebody with three plus pitches like Chris Sale, it was it, there would be times when things would look really good and like they're supposed to, and then there'd be times when the command is just slightly off. And I think it was super frustrating to him, but. I think as long as he comes back healthy, I expect Chris Sale to quickly become a top-of-the-line ace again. I don't really have any reservations about Chris Sale moving forward. I have some. Um, I'm mostly confident, but just with his age, I'm hedging it a little bit. I think he'll be like 90% ace. I don't think he's going to be... So if we get... if we get like ninety percent of twenty seventeen Chris Sale, that's money. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, I think he's going to be very good. I just don't think he's going to be like Sayel, front runner type yeah. good. Uh, you think he? Uh, just a side question on that. Do you think he wins a Cy Young before his career's no. up at this point, or that's it's sailed for I, you? Oh I, man, I, I didn't mean to do that. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> I do. I do think that is that conversation is over, um, which sucks, but. Sometimes it's better, though. You remember that he didn't win a Cy Young rather than, like, Rick Porcello randomly winning one. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
uh, around the diamond podcasts asks, uh, does JD turn himself around next year, continue how he's been this season or somewhere in the middle? Um, I'm going to hedge a little bit. I think he's more towards the good JD, but I think we'll never see him be as good as he was the last two years. Even 2019. Uh, end of season numbers, not quite as good, in my opinion. But I think he will be better against righties than he was. Um, yeah, I think... I think that's probably fair. I think he'll be pretty close to 2019. Um, although, there is a part of me that is worried about him long-term, but I'm not ready to give up yet. So, I, I mean, I would expect something like a 130 to 135 WRC+, plus, but I, I'm open to the possibility that it might be a lot worse. Yeah, I don't think it would be much worse. I'd be shocked if it was under 120 in a full season next year. I hope so. I had him as my biggest disappointment coming into the season, so I'm sadly proud of myself on that one. Uh, Mike Ragoza says, I don't see the Red Sox as contenders next year or the year after. Is that a valid assessment? Uh, I don't know if it's a valid assessment about 2022. I would lean towards no, but I think it's very valid for 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely fair. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be fringe contenders next year. Like, uh, I don't think they're gonna be a total disaster. I guess, and yeah, I guess by 2022 they could, but they could also just not be playing baseball because of the strike. So, I guess by that definition, yeah. they may not be contenders because there are no contenders. Uh, Jackson Posey asks one of his weird questions. What type of Scooby-Doo-esque activities will Jose Peraza witness at the alternate site? I don't really... I watched Scooby-Doo a lot as a kid, and when I got this question, I realized I don't remember anything about Scooby-Doo. I just remember that uh, Scooby-Doo and the skinny dude like Shaggy. to go I mean, off and eat while everybody's doing well, stuff. yeah, they were high. It was <laughs> very strange... A strange cartoon. Uh, yeah. all right, we already talked about JD opting out. Uh, we both think he's going to opt in. Uh, Jacob Cordero asks two questions. Um, when will the Red Sox have a top 10 system in baseball, and how many top 100 prospects will they have next year? Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say they'll have a top 10 system in baseball in five years, and that they will have two three three top 100 guys next year I I have no idea when they're going to have a top 10 system um, I don't really care that much about that um, top 100 guys I think they'll definitely have two I think Duran is on the edge I would have to look at how many guys graduated this year I think top 100 lists are not going to change much from last year to this year just because there's no minor league baseball so um i think i'll say two i think the red sox are higher on um duran than national people will be but i think uh downs and costas will both be on pretty much every list mm, yeah i agree those are locks for me uh jeff wax asked what has heim bloom learned this year um 
Where's offices? I think this is a weird question. I don't know if you have a. <laughs> I don't. I don't really have much. I, I think he maybe got some confirmation on uh, some of his opinions on Red Sox players that he had coming in, like CJ Chatham. And, yeah. uh, and the big man finishes off. Uh, who are we drafting first overall? Uh, Red Sox are in a tight race for the first overall pick. Um, it has been all but confirmed that it will be based on 2020 record. Uh, Baseball America said yeah. that that is the expectation. Uh, but the Red Sox are far from in the clear for that. I believe they're tied with the Diamondbacks right now, and the Rangers and the Royals um, are right there. Uh, so it's going to Pirates, too. Pirates as well. Um, so, but number one pick is going to change <laughs> by the time the next year's draft comes around. But right now, I think it's Kamor Rocker. Um, seems to yeah. be the consensus, but it's going to change. I would be totally fine with lighter or rocker. Uh, I want a pitcher though, and I want a stud. I, I I mean, if some if somebody like breaks out in like a crazy way, that's a hitter. I would not be upset about it. Just yeah, there are some really good hitters. I mean, they're going to get a sick player with this pick as long as they don't pull a tray ball. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like saying uh, it depends on. Who they're getting in a trade? Yeah, they're gonna, they're going to get a good player unless they don't. That is, that is the hard hitting <laughs> analysis that we we're going to end this podcast with. The Red Sox will draft a good player unless they do not. Uh, so if you are interested in more analysis like that, definitely continue to check out all of the podcasts on the Over the Monster Podcast Network. Uh, Jake Devereaux is actually on two of them, so twice a week you can hear that kind of analysis. Oh, wow. Uh, and you can rate and review us only if you are going to say nice things and give us good reviews. If you are not, please don't be a dick. Please just keep it to yourself. We don't need it. Uh, you can check out our writing at overthemonster.com. We get stuff going up every day. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter. We run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Jake is at Dev Jake. I think I got everything today, right? Yeah, you did. All right, let's get out of here before we say anything else stupid.